2: we are back it is the
1: unofficial 40 podcast from Soderscoop.com, brought to you by dead Soxy and we've got all the players here josh question eddie radosevich bob presbillo and i'm carrie murdoch here for another edition of the unofficial 40 where we've had uh, a couple weeks of spring practice to digest now and uh we've had the offense and the defense uh speak uh Kale gundy talked yesterday along uh with several players including the quarterback dylan gabriel and uh, welcome, 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 boys. Welcome to another week of the program.
2: Don't everyone Hi, talk at once.: Hello. <laughs>
3: <laughs> don't talk:
2: That's absolutely it. the worst because I'm like, I don't know who should take that. that, that that's, that's never a. I never know what to do in that moment.
0: I like being directed..
2: I like Eddie, being directed Eddie has a, a radio
1: show, so he's always first to the mic. Um, you can tell. <laughs> he's a professional. <laughs> he's hungry. Whereas Josh is just waiting to be asked a question, which is his radio.
2: Life. That's that's my radio life. Here's exactly. my like, question.
1: I, Tell us about this now. Talk and all oh, shut up. That's like yes. That, that's for what at least that's, five that's, minutes. I just made you feel at home right there. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, that's,
2: that's and exactly we've helped you, right. you to not shut
1: up and listen. Be such a yell talker over the years, which is
2: good. <sighs> I, but does it? I, I'd like to know. I think there's some people out there that feel the yell talking constituency <laughs> of this of this podcast. <laughs> it's it's as underrepresented now it's it's just not there's no one there to back you up and i'm i still want to be your guy
1: we just i mean like i guarantee you when you get onto just a phone and holding it up to your face you're yell talking
2: all the time aren't you i i re like i i probably once did this podcast has made me a little more mindful of that stuff like I really tried not to be too close to the phone when I talk. I'm usually one of those people. Because you guys know how it is. Like We work from home. So you can usually be on your phone, have it on speaker, and just kind of have the conversation um, so that I'm not screaming in somebody's ear. I know
1: where the yell talking came from. It came from the fact that you were always driving. Uh, You're always going to a camp or seeing a kid or uh, going to a school or something. And that's when you would usually do your phone calls. Uh, and because you're on the road, you're just screaming into your phone all the time.
2: <laughs> and the funny thing is, like I get a lot of people that you know, that will ask me about that, listen to the pod or whatever. My hearing is very good. Like very, very good. Like it's probably my strongest sense. And people are like, really? I would have thought like maybe it was like a hearing thing. And I'm like, no, I just talk loud. I don't know what, I don't have any good answer for that. But now we've we, we've talked about my speech for a while. So everybody's pulled into the podcast. Very excited.
1: Uh, Well, uh, it's been a uh, an exciting couple of weeks with spring football back and going. Brent Venables uh, finally getting on the field with the team. And we said from the beginning, that's what we needed. We needed Brent Venables to get on the field. Uh, We needed him to uh, take ownership of this team and move past the uh, former coach era uh, that is there. And uh, now it's underway; it's happening. And uh, let's let's. I guess what let's we usually start with Bob when it goes to on the field stuff. Let's start with Eddie because you've been out there shooting uh, every day that you've been allowed. Um, Just kind of uh, your initially kind of what stood out to you most about just watching uh, this team, whether it be the offense or the defensive side, or just the coaches.
0: Well, I mean, I think the first thing that we got to say is just how welcoming it's been. Uh, just being out there for 40 minutes, I mean, three times was unbelievable. Uh, even the third time, by the end of the third practice that we were out at uh, the fields and stuff is like, I think I have enough. Like, I don't know what else to shoot. So that's been pretty awesome. But, you know, I, it, it's kind of interesting. Like, we haven't been able to see like a whole lot. Uh, it's funny just as far as like what we have seen. It's very noticeable that special teams are quite important to this new staff just in terms of stuff that they continually go over. Now, it's hard to like like say that they never worked on special teams a year ago because we didn't see it. But it also like kind of goes hand in hand with there's a lot of stuff that they're installing for the first time as well. So, uh, you know, I think that that's probably stuck out to me. Uh, just overall, uh, you know, it's not necessarily people that have stuck out to me or players that have stuck out to me, uh, but, you know, like somebody like a Jaden Gibson, it's like, yeah, you don't miss him when you're looking at the wide receivers. Uh, Levy is, seems like he is very, I don't know, like talkative would be the right way to say it, Bob. It's just like he's vocal. always talking, almost, he's vocal. like yes, always is. coaching, always yeah. yelling at somebody. Uh, and not yelling more so than just like, it seems like there's a, a He's lot of in youth. command of his group. Yes, I, that's a great way to say it. Uh, you know, and then, you know, I, I think just from the interview aspect of everything, uh, after we leave practice, it's just kind of a continuation of, w- of what we've been saying for a couple of weeks, just in terms of, being able to talk to some of the members of the defense on Tuesday, or I mean, uh, Monday this week, being able to talk to some of the guys Wednesday for the first time. Just an overall acceptance of the new staff and I, kind of the new ideologies. And almost in terms of, especially the defensive side of the ball, just stuff that I think that it's kind of like when you sign up for something and then you go and it's like, well, that's not really what I expected it to be. Like talking to Danny Stutzman on Monday, it's almost like they there's a lot of stuff that has been instilled in the just the culture of playing football at Oklahoma that maybe this group like always kind of yearned for almost like they wanted the coaches to be a little bit tougher in some aspects of preparation for the season. So I don't know. It's all roses right now. It's easy to say that they love it, and you know there hasn't been any adversity to really kind of test them. But I think just like the overall, I don't know, just the general tone of everybody being so accepting and everything being just so kind of rosy, great, perfect right now has been a little bit, I don't know. Not to say that it's not surprising because on the flip side of that, I don't think that anybody's going to sit here as they get in the first two weeks of spring football and say, yeah, this sucks. We hate the new coaches, but it's almost like, and I, I Bob, you've used this phrase before. It's genuine. I, I genuinely feel like they feel like this thing is moving in the right direction. And when you see some of the comments from some of the veteran guys and, you know, Braden Wills has been rather outspoken about it on uh, Twitter, it just, it, it feels like. They feel like they're in a really good spot uh, with this new staff, even though that they really haven't, you know, accomplished anything per se on the football field yet.
3: Yeah, it was good to talk to some offensive guys with Eric Gray and Marvin Mims, and you know, I, I won't say grilled Gray, but I, I was pretty, you know, forth to come, it like, you gotta feel like last year wasn't your year, like that wasn't what you came here for, and I thought he did a pretty good job of answering the question. About you know how it's an obstacle opportunity now it's a chance for him to try to get better and I was like you know you transfer here to play in Lincoln's offense and then he bolts you know you start getting buyer's remorse you start second guessing and then that led into the his relationship with Demarco Murray and how crucial that's been and then we flipped it Marvin Mims and you could tell that weighed on Mims like that was a very you know, thoughtful in-depth answer that you can tell had a lot of meaning to him about how rough 2021 was and how excited he is about what's here and about that process during, you know, that two, three week of just pure coaching chaos, guys walking out the door, guys coming into the door and trying to figure out
0: where he fit in the grand scheme of things. I mean, he's he, somebody put it on the board on the uh, thread that we posted the video of, uh, but like, He truly seems like a happier person. And we've kind of talked about this, but it's just so different being able to talk to these guys in person because you get a good feel for just kind of their aura around him. Like it, it, it dawned on me when we were done with Marvin yesterday. It's like that's literally the first time we've ever interviewed him in person. It just seems like he is so much happier than maybe he was a year ago. And, you know, obviously that's been well documented. But, I mean, that guy's that guy's out of there if the old staff is back. There's no doubt in my mind.
1: You know, and I would say this. I think one of my favorite parts of the last two weeks is uh, Brent Venables on Monday just getting to answer questions about football, not having to talk about big picture stuff, not having to, uh, you know, really kind of uh, set the, 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 the foundation of what he's doing with every sentence that he puts out there. But just to be asked, like, Hey, what about your linebackers? What about this guy? What about that guy? Like, I was glad to finally get to see him. Just, I mean, what about Billy Bowman? Like, uh, to get him talking about individual players was great. I mean, it just, I really enjoyed that part of it. I enjoyed getting to talk
3: to Billy about last year and how Brent kind of echoed what we thought. Like, if you're trying to play him in three different spots, he's going to know a little bit about all three, but not be able to master any, any of them and not really be able to help your team going forward and you sort of heard that from Brent saying, you know, you do too much too soon like that, you have that possibility of ruining a kid before you even got a chance to get him to really get going and Billy just focusing on safety, you can tell that he's re-energized. Obviously, he wants to play special teams. I don't know if he'll be a part of the kickoff return. We've always seen him be working on punt return. But you can tell he wants the ball in his hands. He wants to turn turn the page from what felt like a disappointing, definitely back half of the season, and show people, you know, why everyone was so excited that he signed in the first place.
1: Well, and really, you know, a lot of people kind of wondering. You know, you have coaches going in and out. Uh, and it's kind of a time for fans to kind of like Jeffrey Johnson has come in, uh, Trey Morrison has come in and getting a chance to kind of hear from those guys and hear coaches talk about those guys, uh, it's it's almost like, a, oh, yeah, oh he's got some new guys that could really help out. That's kind of been a little bit, I'm sure a lot of fans have, have been a little, I don't know, not not surprised, but just it's interesting kind of seeing, you know, these names pop up that it's not like a recruit. It's not like a guy that's like, oh, can a Jaden Gibson become a difference maker? And of course, Cal Gundy talked glowingly about him. Uh, yesterday. But uh, you see these transfers and now it it kind of puts you in a different mindset like, oh, yeah, there are some guys that could make some instant impacts on this team. And and what are those guys about?
0: It's almost like it was more intentional than maybe I realized at the time in terms of guys that they went after out of the portal. Uh, And, you know, it's something that Brent has brought up. I think he brought it up on the uh, day of signing day, just as far as there's a lot of guys that have played a lot of football, especially in this transfer portal group, that not only have played a lot of football, but were big parts of their team, whether it be a captain like a Jeffrey Johnson coming in from Tulane or, you know, even all the way down to a TD roof, a guy that was a captain on his football team a year ago. They're guys that have been able to step into a locker room that probably it's not the easiest thing. I can't I can't think. And, you know, there's probably nobody better than that than Dylan Gabriel, just as far as the way that he not only has stepped in and kind of been a an added coach on the field and knowing the offense and knowing what they want to do tempo wise. But, you know, it, it was something that Theo Weiss talked about, that Marvin talked about, Drake has talked about, even Andrew has talked about, uh, you know, particularly guys on the offensive side of the ball that, you know, from day one, he stepped in. It was like, hey, let's go throw. Let's get a group together. Let's go do something. Let's go eat together. If it's the offensive lineman, uh, you know, I think Rame talked about it. It's just it's so seamless. I like, I've been a little surprised how easy it's been, but I guess at the same time, like having listened to or talked to Dylan for the first time yesterday, he's very like, and I know it's kind of cliche, but he is very, just chill, very kind of laid back. It seems, and maybe even a little bit almost naive as far as the demand or the expectation that it is to be the quarterback at Oklahoma. And I don't, like, necessarily, that's not a bad thing, I don't think. It's almost like he's a little bit blind to how bright that light is. And, you know, if he can handle it, somebody like a Baker and somebody like a Kyler, they'd obviously, I guess, kind of ease their way into that, as opposed to Dylan, who's going to be thrown into it. But, I mean, it can, be, it can be a lot. And at times, I think that's what Spencer Rattler kind of got himself into trouble with, was that spot in that moment was almost a little too bright.
2: That that's a really interesting point, Eddie. Like he's not carrying that burden of expectation, you know. Like oh, right. I've got to be this because those guys were that, you know. that's right. That's an interesting way that I hadn't thought of looking at it before. But I, I think you're right. Like I think there is some some advantage to not being in the shadow of it his whole you know his whole career his whole you know college like, experience.
0: Like growing up in Hawaii, it's like I. I don't think that like, as opposed to somebody that might have grown up around this area and I'm not saying like, I completely think that Dylan Gabriel understands the demand that it's going to be, to be the quarterback at Oklahoma, but maybe just wired a little bit differently in that. And I I don't know. We kind of talked about this this morning. It's like, and it seemed like the, the moment never got to Jocelyn all as far as too much pressure. And of course she wasn't seeing pitches and it's a little bit different, but, Maybe like you're just kind of wired differently growing up in Hawaii, I think, and I don't know. Maybe maybe I'm reading, trying to read too much into that, but <laughs> it kind of stuck out I, to me yesterday. I wonder if there's so anything.
2: Chill. I wonder if there's anything to be said for. It's been a few years. I mean, like we all think of Oklahoma quarterback play as oh, it's elite guys. I mean, as Jalen Hurts was what three years ago now. And even that, by Oklahoma standards, wasn't some unbelievable year. I mean, we all talked about through that year, there were plenty of warts through that season. There were, there were problems there. So, I mean, as long as Dylan Gabriel has been in college football, there's still there hasn't been any point in time when Oklahoma had the quarterback in the sport. Like, that wasn't the guy. And I wonder if that takes some of that away. He's not having to live up to Baker Mayfield or, you know, Kyler Murray – He's having to be, you know, be be better than Spencer Rattler was last year, which is not asking a lot.
1: Hell, be better than Caleb Williams was. Yeah, outside I mean, of Texas. you know, and, I mean the Kansas game was bad, the the yeah. uh, Baylor
2: game was bad, the Oklahoma State be, game was bad. I I mean, that that's the thing like for all the bright spots of Caleb, I mean, again, it's not like he set some unreachable bar for for a quarterback especially one who's had as much success as dylan gabriel that's the thing i don't think people look around you look around college football there's not a lot of quarterbacks coming back that you say oh yeah that that guy's a dude that guy's dude there's a lot of turnover this year and dylan gabriel is one of the more accomplished quarterbacks around college football it's crazy to think that that kind of fell into oklahoma's lap but that's the reality.
0: I just want to know just knowing the offense, too, I think has been. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It
2: can't be having somebody
0: that knows exactly the language that Levy's talking being and especially at the tempo that they want to go. It's I'm not saying that Dylan Gabriel was going to start in front of anybody that, you know, might have returned to this team. But it is kind of interesting, like he's out there being able to like say and Marvin talked about this a little bit as far as just like you need to be here. On you know this player, this route or whatever. you need to run it like this. And you know, I think that little shit like that goes such a long way when you're putting in an offense in the spring like they are. I just want to
1: know if we can use the power of the uh, unofficial forty to convince Norman restaurants to start uh, start carrying uh, is it loco moco on
0: the menu? I'm so unfamiliar with Hawaiian. Culinary. i watch so
1: much so much diners drive-ins and dives uh that uh
0: i just don't think i
1: like it he That's goes my to problem. hawaii loco moco is just like it's just like hamburger with gravy and rice now the poke yeah. stuff the raw uh tuna like in yeah. seaweed and stuff i'm not i went to that uh oh uh, what's the southwest place the fancy place up in oklahoma city off 23rd frida frida and yeah. I tried the uh, tuna tartare because my buddy that I went with got that for his appetizer. And it was everything I could do to chew the bite and swallow it without without oh, spitting it out. Just
0: the texture is what got you. Yes.
1: It. And, they, I mean, that Frita's place was crazy. great. The restaurant is yeah. great. Like, I don't want to say that the restaurant sucks, but right. uh, it was just that was the first time I'd ever tried tuna tartare. I thought... I I got to the age where I'm like, I never turn anything down. I want to try everything. And I I, was just like, they gave you these nice, big, thick tortilla chips. And so I scooped up the big old bunch of it. And then as I started chewing, I was like, this is weird. This is weird. (laughs) Um, And it never stopped getting weird. And with every chew, it was like, this is weirder. Okay, it's even weird. It is like... How am I gonna finish it? And I just grinned and bared it and chewed it and swallowed it, and that was the last time I'll ever have tuna tartare.
2: It was have you ever had any I... other tartare like stuff? That will
1: be the last time I have any tartare. Okay. I have I... never had steak tartare or anything like that. I I could probably like
2: the texture of steak would be much better than tuna. Yeah. I I, I, I had I've never had tuna tartare. I've had I've had beef that was awesome one a long time ago i was like this is going to be gross i was not expecting to be into it but i'm with you like i'm one of those people like i'll try anything once and i was like i'll take a bite and then me and my buddy just destroyed it after that like we we're we, it was a group of guys and it was two of us that clearly liked it more than the rest and we just wrecked that thing. it would have been better if i'd been drinking
1: probably i i, I probably could have handled the texture and the, i would have probably focused more on the flavors and stuff like that but mm-hmm. unfortunately i was stone cold sober
2: and mm, it just did not go well yeah, I I I was doing a lot of drinking at the time. It was a bachelor party, so we were we were. It's kind well of like I've never space. been a smoker, but if I've been out at karaoke and just hammered,
1: and you give me a you give me a cigarette, I will smoke it like a pro. Like I will take that <laughs> down into the chest and bring it all the way back up. Oh no! But otherwise, I can't. I'll, I'll I would choke to death if I did that sober. Interesting. Sorry, Eddie. Noted.
0: Interesting <laughs> and noted. <laughs>
1: I'm sorry to the smoking community it, for
2: disappointing you. <laughs> but I mean, at least you know if you're drinking with uh with Carrie, he's not gonna let that cigarette go to waste, Eddie. He's sure. actually gonna breathe he's it in. He's gonna take line. that sucker in. Yeah. Not I, I am going line. to waste the cigarette. I'm doing it strictly because I have had too much to drink and I don't know what else to do with myself. Yeah. So, with inflation exactly.
0: nowadays, that's like a four dollar decision. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, that syntax has gotta be rough on the cigarettes. I don't buy him anymore. I I don't
0: do that. So it, there you I go, did, mom. You he he, he heard
1: it here. He would never lie to you.
0: Well, obviously, it, <laughs> and most of the time it's just a prop in the videos that I'm making, anyways. It's not even real. It's a fake. lit prop. The the interesting That's amazing, thing that I was uh, <laughs> kind of funny that we have Gabriel a was talking about was uh, the Red Rock comment and going to get the salmon because it's like, of course he's trying to go find seafood somewhere
2: in Oklahoma. Yeah.
0: Yeah.
2: Yeah. Mm. Yeah. That's a, that is a tough break. That is, it's one of those things that like I, growing up in Oklahoma, I was like, oh, you guys are whatever. That's stupid. I literally live, like I can get fresh, you know, anything within 15 minutes from my house. You're
1: like riding a gulf,
2: basically. Yes. Like I, I, I'm, I'm not just like in Houston. I'm like over on that side of town. Like I am very close to the ocean. And, you're just, I, I mean, like, egg. there, there's a difference. There just is. No, I mean, again, you know, when you live this close to James Harden's old house, <laughs> you're going to have nice things. I mean, let's just be real. But no, I mean, it's, it's, we're, we're close and the stuff you can get there, there's a difference. Like, there's just no question. I don't go back to Oklahoma and think, you know what I need? I need some seafood. Like, that's just, it's, it's not that I didn't like it when I lived there. I was fine with it. I'm not a snob about it. It's just, that's not what I go back to Oklahoma to have.
0: What was the uh, place over at by Lake Hefner that was open? Like, God, I want to say I would have been in like middle school and high school when it was open. The uh, Hannah, not Bahama Breeze, not not Bahama Breeze. Uh, oh, wasn't it something uh, breeze that was like? like yes, a, like, yeah, what was no, that? I think yeah. it was.
1: I think it was Bahama Breeze. It is Bahama, it a Bahama breeze. breeze. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Okay. Oh, they're going to need to open something like that back up at in Norman or, you know, like the Mm -hmm. building that's always been empty, that people have always rumored that it's going to be something over off Ed Noble that needs to be like Dylan Gabriel's seafood place. And (laughs) they just need to open it while his time in Norman,
2: like just a poke lounge,
0: like, but just for him, like just a lounge for him.
2: We could be setting up his NIL deal now. He could be the front for some sort of seafood company (laughs) or restaurant that that opens in Norman.
0: When he was talking about the restaurants that he liked, like, you could tell, like, the gears were moving, like, I need to be careful about this because in case there's somebody that does want (laughs)
2: to
0: sign me to an NIL deal, I don't want to make anybody mad.
2: I love Kane's Chicken.
0: (laughs) I think, I think Rame said that uh, he's, they've come up to Oklahoma City a couple times. I think he said Ned's, which is an awesome restaurant off of uh,
2: May Avenue up here, so. Owned by a Panther, so shameless plug. Every time I go back to Oklahoma City, I will say that is the – like, there are – the food options in Oklahoma City are so much better than they were when I lived there 10 years ago. It's It blows my mind. Every time I go somewhere new, I'm like, God, that's great. That's great. Like, there's – and I don't know any of the names. I'd love to give them plugs, but, like, I'm just – I've been there once, usually while drinking, and I don't remember them very well, but – there's so much better food in Oklahoma City. It's it I don't think people from outside realize it. And I mean, as much as we love spaghetti
0: warehouse downtown, there's there's a couple more options to go to when you come to uh, Oklahoma yes. City.
1: No, we've had I've yes. had that discussion with friends lately, uh like that don't live in Oklahoma anymore and haven't for a long time. And they're like, What happened to
0: Spaghetti Warehouse?
1: Like how th- how <laughs> could it close? And I was like, you remember a different version of Spaghetti Warehouse than it actually was. Like, uh, it was so it was so average and below average for Italian food. Like, it's just because it was the only thing that was in Bricktown. I mean, there was yeah, that, yeah. O'Brien's, and in, in the brewery. And maybe Tapworks. Yeah. Maybe that was the only. Like, those were the staples of Bricktown. That was all you could get. Like, Spaghetti Warehouse was god-awful. It was terrible. Like even compared by Olive Garden sta- standards, it was bad. Oh wow, I, I'm not Ooh. gonna, I'm
0: not gonna go oh, that bad on the slander.
1: You know, there's you talking shit on, on Olive Garden because you got We
0: <laughs> got a problem if you are. Uh, I'm not shitting on Olive Garden. Okay. I mean, but do you just go for the breadsticks and then gone. whatever
2: else happens?
0: Gabriella is really good in uh, Oklahoma City. They just moved to Edmond, though. It was like in the old county line building.
1: I mean, we got a good Norman. We got Benvenuti's, we got Valare, we got uh, Sergio's.
0: Benvenuti's is excellent. Yeah. I yep. can't wait. Like, when the office, like, act, when we're, like, working out of it, like, just getting some of the Norman delicacies back in my life is going to be amazing. I, just
1: a constant stream of DoorDash coming to the office?
0: Well, not really, because I'm, I'm dieting, but...
1: Yeah, I got to get a closet for your your uh, your special foods, probably. Still going
0: strong. So, I had sorry, some derailed beef, the segment. I the had some beef talk, stew right? the
1: other night when I woke up in the middle of the night and I was starving. The what? The beef stew. Oh. Excellent.
0: I mean, it's not bad. It's not bad. It really isn't. Uh,
1: okay, so back to the football. Um, you know, we we chalked to, to offense on Wednesday, defense on Monday. Uh, we got to talk to Miguel Chavis. Um, it, we mentioned Kale Gundy, but um, you guys kind of talked about it, but Brent on the practice field, uh, he's been all over the place, but kind of like we predicted, like you're not going to be able to keep him away from the linebackers, and that was kind of something that you guys saw uh, on Monday.
3: Yeah, and, and not even as during practice, but just going through the stretching lines. He had something to say to Shane Witter and Danny Stutzman going through the stretching lines, and then as practice begins, he, you know drifts his way toward that area time and time again, and I don't think anyone has a problem with it, and it's completely natural, and you can tell that those guys really enjoy it, and I think, you know, get, get some excited when Brent
1: is around watching them work. And people, I mean, people don't know this, but like, or some people might know this, but like during practices when Bob was the head coach, he was always around the secondary, which is what he coached uh, you know, is an assistant. So, I mean, it's, it's just natural. You just, you gotta be somewhere. You can't just keep going from place to place. You gotta let Jeff, Levy do what he does on the offensive side. Uh, so you're not your hip. You're not always glued to the hip of the offensive coordinator or the defensive coordinator. Uh, so, I mean, it's just natural. It's not weird, uh, for Brent Venables to be, you know, with the linebackers for the majority of practice. Cause that's what he's always known. So I know that wasn't a question. I did think it was. I did
0: think it was funny that like everybody thought that Brent was like yelling at Ted Roof in the videos that were out there, but it's just like the music's so loud, he's just kind of having to yell. And I think that's how a lot of those guys just communicate.
3: That's why there's the microphone.
0: Yeah, the microphone. It's funny. It and you know, I I guess in terms of just sticking with Monday and the defensive side of the football, it's like I think that everybody that has seen the first couple of uh, press conferences that we've been able to talk to Miguel Chavis. It is maybe even more than evident that like, there's a reason why there's so much in belief in why that guy not only is going to be a good communicator, uh, you know, as far as the recruiting world goes, you can, you can tell how he would relate to somebody and be able to kind of talk with a high school student. But, you know, I, I think just looking at how he coaches, uh, you can tell that he's getting his point across. He's going to be able to communicate what he needs to be as far as a uh, a defensive ends coach. It, it's kind of fun. It's not, you know. I, I guess it doesn't hurt that he has a big chaw in his mouth as well. Second on the team in uh, in chaw look behind Bill Beatumbo.
1: Also uh, watches film with his wife at home every night, which I found interesting. Well, I mean, yes,
2: that was what awesome. What
0: a keeper! What a keeper!
2: <laughs> Was was there a Love follow that. up to that <laughs> comment? Like somebody asked about that, right? I know because he, no, he, he just, was explaining about Jonah. I, I know, but was, like when he said it, I was like, surely someone's going to ask him about. He was asking a very open ended uh,
1: question, just about attention to detail or something. Uh, yeah, he just went we're still into that
2: get to know you stage. I think that'll
0: come in time. Okay, I mean because
1: yeah, we're still doing I, coaches in podium setting, which
3: isn't ideal for that type of stuff for this for the shout yeah for For the shout out
0: almost
2: you know and and i will say the only thing i will i I, you know it's um it's a belief of mine if everyone asked a great question no one asked a great question i i think that is a firm policy Hmm. that was the thing i noticed from his interview i was like oh the first one that's really nice and then you're like seven questions in, you're like not everybody was that on point
1: Oh, you mean him saying, "Oh, great question." Yeah, before he answered,
2: he said, "He was great question.' Great, like that was a great question." I'm like, "If everyone did it, then it wasn't that, you know." It's kind of if everybody's special. I want
1: you to did. show up at the next press conference and say, "Look, these are not participation trophies. You've got exactly. to decide if it's a great question or not." Stop. If you're gonna stop, gold star me, sir, stop sugarcoating our questions. hmm But
3: I love he's his very, answers. Like I don't
1: want it to be
2: that. He way also at all. had
3: never gone through this process because he was never yeah. on field percent,
1: Josh, do you ever break
2: down recruiting film with uh, Tiffany um, and get her, get no, her take? I, no, I've said it before, though. Tiffany likes the NFL Combine, particularly offensive line day, and I kid you not, she has a good eye for it. Like, she'll watch a guy move, and she's like... He's pretty good. Who is he? And I'm like, that's the, you know, number two tackle in the whole class. Like, that's the guy. He's going to go top ten. And, and she'll be like, oh, I don't like him. And it's some guy, journeyman from, you know, nowhere, Division two. Like, she, act, like, I'm not saying she can recognize, like, oh, he's, like, a good football player. But she can, like, good feet, stuff like that, she sees it. Like, she really does have a good eye for it.
1: Well, maybe you'd have a better marriage if you'd break down film with her.
2: You know, maybe we all whatever if we're married, whatever, whatever would save it. You know, I mean, she puts up with a lot, so that's reasonable.
1: Hey, time for a little timeout for Dead Soxie. Uh, if you have not been to DeadSoxie.com and checked out their Oklahoma collection, then what the hell is wrong with you? Go to DeadSoxy.com. They've got uh, great sales right now going on. The Norman Mix 4-Pack bundles has got the new retro sock in it. Uh, they've got the 8-Packs of the Boomer Crimson 8-Pack, $125. Uh, gives you 8 great socks uh, to wear throughout the season, and uh, they are fantastic socks. They've got the uh, non-slip uh, beads in, in in the sock, which just keep them up the entire time that you're wearing them. Very comfortable. Gr- the fabric is just unbelievable in these things. Uh, deadsoxy.com. D-E-A-D-S-O-X-Y.com. And if you want to just uh, pick up like some State and Stripes or the Maker Bayfields, you know, get the big uh, statue unveiling coming up. Uh, Going to want to have those socks on when you go to the spring game on August the 23rd. So go to deadsoxy.com. Use that promo code uh, BOOMER and you'll get 20 uh, 20- off of your order uh that's promo code boomer and uh 25% off your order that's only deadsoxy.com the uh Oklahoma collection go check it out d-e-a-d-s-o-x-y.com and as always stay soxy uh so I mean outside of that guys just players I mean you talked about Dylan Gabriel um I know you talked a little bit about Billy Bowman but kind of what else really stood out to you in just particular players? I mean, whether it was you know talking to Trey Morrison or whoever this week?
3: It's funny with Trey because he just he sees a lot of Billy in him because of the fact that you know of course Trey moved all over the place at North Carolina, so he's excited to watch what what Bowman can become. but I mean it, it, it's, it's funny getting the perspective of defensive players, how fired up they are about having a defensive minded head coach. then offensive players not really, you know, not being mad about not being upset about it and kind of excited to see what kind of dynamic that's going to bring for, since they've known OU's about offense, offense, offense for years and years. And that's what they learned since they've been there. It's what they learned going through recruiting process. And now that it's flipped, you know, I'm not saying like it takes the pressure off, but it still seems like those guys are sort of embracing a a different role that, that comes along with Brent being so known for what he does with,
0: defense yeah it's just I don't know I, I I feel like I keep harping on the same ideas, but you know like even talking to somebody like Reggie Grimes that has been around the block, I would say, uh you know even you know Stutzman to a certain extent being that he's only been there for a year, but you get a good feel for what's going on, and it's just like like what was, what was the problems, and I don't want to harp on like what what were the problems a year ago, but it's just everybody seems so refreshed as far as what has come in. And I don't know like where I'm at as far as like, I believe them. I don't think that they're just saying it to be saying it, but there is like a genuine feeling of like, like what, what was, what, 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 what has this group done <laughs> that the other did it? Like, I just,
2: how, I think how did, anyway, what
0: did the other group do? Well, I think what it,
2: exactly.
1: I think it might even be as much as just, it was always going to be hard to move on uh, from the Mike Stoops era it, because, you know, you still had half the coaching staff there. Yeah. And they still were kind of scarred by those defensive performances. And, uh, you know, if you know, was it was always about turning it around and turning it around, like, This is just a completely blank slate now. Yeah. And everyone can just say, okay, these guys are defensive guys versus these guys are here to try and make us a defense again. Like, now it's just everything is – but it's just like with recruiting, Josh. It's like uh, this – the former staff, no matter how many strides they would have made, they were not going to be able to get in on this many big-time defensive guys because – their reputation preceded them. I mean, it was, you know, what have you done in the past to make us believe that we can be this in the future? It was like, we don't know. We don't really have a belief that this is going to turn around with Brent Venables and this staff. It's like, well, they have the track record. No one else sure. has had this track record that's they been at something Oklahoma. on
0: paper that says, this is what we do. This is what it looks like. This is where we want to be.
2: Yes. Guys, they, this morning, made the Final Four for a top 50 defensive lineman from the state of Alabama, whose other three are Alabama, Clemson, and Florida. There's no way in hell they're on that list without Todd Bates, Brent Venables, the whole – like, that's just not going to happen. Now, I don't want (laughs) to delude anybody about Peter Woods. OU's almost certainly not going to get him. But it's being in those conversations – that's a place to start from. And then you try to get some of these other guys, you know, like David Hicks. It's a little more regional. J- Jordan Renaud, like all those, those become possible. But just being on this list makes other guys, maybe younger guys, take Oklahoma more seriously and be like, well, okay, that, that dude's legit. He's super real. He's got offers from everybody. Why is he looking at Oklahoma? Maybe I should do the same.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's a sea change. I mean, it is not just a, a fix. It is a complete, you know, they, they tore the house down and rebuilt it. They didn't, they didn't renovate. And I it, think you, you, you sense that
2: from the players as you're talking about. Oh yeah. When, when I'm looking at the, you know, people, cause one of the favorite questions in board chat will be, well, how many rivals 100 guys are they going to land? How many rivals 250 guys are they going to land? And as I sit there and kind of lay it out, and obviously a lot of it's guesswork at this early point, but as I look at it and I I wager, you know, like what are the most likely possibilities, It's it's night and day. Last year it would have been, you know, okay, they're real for 15 offensive guys and three or four defensive guys. It's not that stark, but it's, it's flipped and I mean it, it's 12 defensive guys and seven offensive guys like it, it's just very different and Oklahoma has a chance with not just the 175 safety from Dallas or that I mean they can go anywhere in the country and recruit elite defenders right now like they, they can have a shot with almost anyone now will they land them that's what we've got to see but the the door is open to anywhere they want to go for any defensive player
3: so and i guess yeah. and they don't have to they're not like settling on offense either like it's not like offense is falling apart no where it felt before you know offense was legit but you didn't know about defense here it's you're making defense legit oh but offense is right there with it there should be no a certain drop off that makes you think, oh man, this is not going to be what we've seen the last four or five years, and that's, of course, that's why everyone is so excited about
2: what you know they can do on each each side of the ball here going forward. That that's a great point. I mean, you have a totally different the if you want to, uh, I I don't want to call it the weak link because that's not the way that I guess you would say national perception perceives this team under Brent Venables is a defensively driven team. And under Lincoln Riley, obviously, it was the complete opposite. Under Lincoln Riley, the defense was overcome. Like you know, just just be good enough to where the offense can drag you to the finish line. And under Venables, offensively in recruiting, that's not what the that's not what it looks like. That does not look like that will be a problem. They they have. I mean, and part of it is they kept a really good offensive staff in place, added a few good pieces, and are moving forward. But, uh, yeah, I mean, Jeff, Jeff Lebby, and it, it's only going to grow after this NFL draft and Matt Corral ends up a first-round pick. He's only going to be able to tout that to more guys and more people will believe in him. And, you know, we can get into me seeing Jackson Arnold this weekend, but talking to his parents and how quickly that all came together, I mean, he's clearly a guy that can recruit very well. I mean, they, they he resonated with them very, very quickly.
0: Well, there is a certain element of the Jeff Levy thing, too, that, you know, and I know that we wanted to we'll talk about Jackson Arnold, too. But I like just what he's brought as far as, you know, you listen to the comments that Cale made yesterday on uh, Wednesday when he was talking to us. And, you know, those were kind of the most notable comments to come from a coach so far. And, you know, Cale's been adamant that he's as excited as he's ever been about Oklahoma football. Uh, you know, he said that on the podium many times uh, during the uh, the transition to power. And you know I, he's he's been around this thing for as long as anybody down there.
3: and he called Jeff Levy as well-rounded and offensive mind he's ever been around
1: for those that didn't hear it or read it yet. well, and yeah. that that was kind of the the quote that you know everybody saw yesterday, uh, just about Lincoln Riley versus Jeff Levy. And I know Cale would, you know, not want to make it out like he was saying anything negative about uh, Lincoln Riley, but mentioning, you know, that it took him some time to come around to, you know, uh, the type of running game that they use at Oklahoma. And that was no secret at the time. I mean, that first year against Texas and that loss uh, when Baker was sacked like it seemed like 800 times uh, and they just did not run the ball and, I remember that was the first time when we kind of got... Sorry, Eddie, not trying to uh, pull at any strings here, but that was the first time uh, I remember hearing from fans, like, Lincoln Riley blocked me because I said... I told him to run the ball after that game. Uh, and it was always, you know, kind of a sensitive subject about how much he would run the ball. I mean, he started leaning on Rodney Anderson, remember, later that year it was the Kansas State when Bob almost got killed on the sideline. Uh, and, you uh, you know, he kind of figured it out and, and started, you know, figuring out his way. But I mean, Jeff Levy's not gonna I don't think he's gonna have that issue where you wonder, will he run the ball enough in this offense? And that's why everyone's so fired up about
3: what Marcus Major can do, because you think this is the perfect style for him. And we asked I asked Eric Gray about Major, and when you hear you know how much it sounds like Major's matured on and off the field, and you put them in this type of system. This should be a, this should be a guy that really takes off. I know we're gonna say that about a lot of people, just you know, be expecting them to make that that next leap, that next step. But there's no doubt that if it's not this season for Marcus Major, then it's just never gonna happen.
0: Do you think that as a whole we've maybe overlooked just? You know, it, we we always talk about Marcus Major in this offense, but has it been actually Eric Gray that maybe we've overlooked in how, you know, I, I think in a way, like, disappointing he was a year ago? He just wasn't good between the
1: tackles. I mean, that was his yeah. biggest thing. I mean, he had yeah. a role in the offense, which was to get the ball to him out in space, and he was great. Um, But he just did not run the ball well between the tackles. That was the biggest problem. and. I'm not saying you know anyone really did, but it was striking the difference between he and Kennedy Brooks as is in- sure. interior runners.
2: Guys, with the questions they have at receiver, and I, I think the questions you know, like Kerry just brought up about how Eric Gray fits with this offense does. I think it would be really interesting to see him flexed out into some slot stuff, like you know you could break the huddle with two backs and then put him in motion put him in the slot, let him – because you get that guy the ball in space, he's dangerous. I mean, there are a lot of good uses for Eric Gray, even in this offense, but I would be interested to see if they got a little creative in how they get him 10, 15 touches a game.
0: The wide receiver position is kind of fun to talk about. Uh, And, you know, again, just kind of banking back on what Marvin was saying yesterday just as far as, like, the names that are there and particularly that first grouping of guys, when you think about the inside with Marvin Mims and Drake stoops, and then on the outside with, uh, Theo Weiss and Jalil Farouk, it's like, those are four guys that just right now on paper, you think like, even though they haven't done it per se in games, but there's a lot to like there. I mean, Jalil Farouk flashed. I think that a lot of people feel like it's just a matter of time. Hopefully he stays healthy with Theo, but, uh, they're kind of known quantities and and what you're getting with Marvin Mims and Drake. I, I don't know. It's like, I'm excited to see how it all comes together because you, you would think that those four guys, and then, you know, maybe you do get a Jaden Gibson. That is somebody that could uh, end up being a guy as a freshman. What's Cody Jackson going to give you? We still don't know what he's really all about. Given that he had the, uh, the health scare a year, a year ago, I just like, they have able bodies, and I think that that's what's kind of fun about the, I guess, blank slate or the new offenses. There is just so much unknown because you don't know what it's going to necessarily look like.
1: Was it, um, it, it, the thing about Jeff Levy's offense, was it the first year that Jalen Robinson was at UCF when he became such a star for them after the transfer from OU? Let's
3: see, he was a class of 2018 guy. So he would have had to sit out the 2019 season. Yeah, I want so to no. say it was
0: 2020 when he. 2020 really... would have been his year when
3: L- when Lubby's at Ole Miss. Yeah, he
0: had 979. He had 55 for 979 in 2020. Yeah, and then he would have to sit out he got, 2019. He got injured in uh, 21 last year, didn't he?
1: Yeah. It just yeah. seems like it's been so long since the Baker and Kyler days where you could consistently expect a big passing play in the offense. I mean, like, that was part of the problem with Rattler is that he was always trying to force a deep ball. Uh, but the more they kept dropping guys into coverage, the the less chances you saw of Oklahoma quarterbacks kind of completing those deep passes to the point, like when we saw Mike Woods at the combine, and he caught that really deep ball. I was like, wow, you never saw him run anything close to that as far as a deep route while well, he was at Oklahoma. Uh, And, uh, you know, I know that wasn't particularly his job, but just being able to see the offense get vertical again with that running game, it, 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 you know, if you're if you're 50, 50, 60, 40, which is about what Jeff Levy is. I got to think that that's something that we're going to start seeing on Owen Field again with this receiving yeah. crew, and Theo Weiss in well, particular.
0: I think a lot of the you know, a lot of this is just predicated on what you're going to get up front from a bunch of those guys. Like what kind of offensive line is going to come together here over the next four months? And if you're if you're good, if they make a step. If, which you know, I think a lot of people think that they will. Even with the questions, uh, they can be a really good offense. Like there's no there's no doubt about that.
3: That's why we'll wait till the last week of spring to ask Bill Buttenbo. That I mean, it, it's hard to like we talked to Rame last week, and that was nice, but it there's no one among that group that feels like they should have the pulse of the rest of the guys and can give a clear in, like, indication of what's going on. So we'll give it a couple more weeks. We'll get Bill Bow, and we'll kind of see where
1: we stand as we head into the spring game. And Bill is a guy that's – I mean, he's not afraid to try a lot of different nope. guys, um, but he's also kind of a guy that when he finds – that that set that he kind of believes in, he sticks with it until it just doesn't work. So I think he'll have a pretty good idea of, of who his line is, at least, you know, the top six coming out of spring. Now, the the question is, is that Savion Bird? Is that Wanye yeah. Morris? Is that Anton Harrison? You know, who is that guy that really stands out at of tackle? And like you guys have pointed out, like Marcus Hicks looks really good.
0: Like just Marcus standing there. Great. Marcus, this looks really good as well as, and, you know, I, I think everybody that follows him on Instagram, like I'd save you on bird physically looks oh, amazing. Yeah. And, you know, can Wanye figure it out? Like that's still just like one of the biggest question marks about, you know, hopefully at some point, maybe we'll get to talk to him. I guess technically he played last year. So I, I don't know. Well, like, he played at Tennessee. Did he no, look kind of noticeably
1: lighter to you guys out there, Wanye? Did little you bit. get a good look at him? A mm-hmm. little bit. I I just don't not know. not so like, frumpy.
0: Why didn't he right. play? Like I I still don't understand.
1: Yeah. Considering that he played at Tennessee and was really good.
0: Yeah. Like, pretty, how does and, he not
1: play last year? That that still remains a mystery.
0: Yeah. But I mean, that could go. We could go super conspiracy and say you know how like people were saying that. The PGA Tour suspended Phil. Was Wanye actually suspended by the NCAA last year for the uh, <laughs> missteps with the McDonald's bags back in Knoxville, and nobody mm. knew about it? Mm. Well, I mean, I do know that you know there
1: were some academic stuffs, happens. and 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 that's why he wasn't practicing when he first sure. transferred. And I, I know he even had to get kind of like reps to um, lawyers, basically to help him out with that um, to kind of force Tennessee's hand to release his transcripts and stuff. So that was part of it. But as the season went along, he'd been there long enough to where you're like, okay, well if he's
2: good, he should be playing now because they could use him. I think it speaks to Bill's belief system. He's just like most talented guy. That's not what he's looking for. Like, do you fit what I'm trying to do? Do you see it? Like I need you to see it. Like, uh, guys, I mean, we can all look back to that, you know, what was it, 2018 with, with uh, or was it, no, it was 2017 with uh, with Eric Wren over Creed Humphrey. Looking back, there's just no question who that decision goes for, but Eric Wren knew everything. He could run it. He could do exactly what he wanted to, and Bill wasn't going to have Creed learn on the job. You know, that, that just wasn't the way he saw that going, and so, like I said, I I think it just speaks to Wanye just was not mentally prepared, and like you guys said, I think I was a little shocked when I finally saw him in an OU uniform. I was like, whoa, that doesn't – he doesn't look like an SEC starter. That looks a little sloppy and, you know, just not right. So I – probably also says a lot about the organization and general state of the Tennessee program he was part of. Sure. (laughs) Which
1: still to this – I mean – Oh, I, it doesn't make any sense. That, just a train wreck. Yeah. I mean, anyway. Uh, all right. So anything else about spring football that you really stood out that you wanted to get out there before we talk a little bit about the recruiting side of things?
0: Daniel Parker was a kind of a joy to talk to. I don't know how much you got over there, Bob, but just zero. Like, you know, it, it's kind of a unique story. Played offensive tackle in high school was recruited to Missouri as a defensive end, made the flip, got re- was recruited by Joe John, so you can see the connection there and how, uh, you know, he ended up getting Oklahoma in his uh, ear when he entered the transfer portal, but he's just, it, it seems like a guy that, you know, and maybe they haven't had a whole lot of these guys, I don't know, but he seems like a guy that, uh, you know, would cut off his hand to win a football game, and I think that. You know, there are certain aspects of a football program that you need guys like that. And, you know, I'm not sitting here saying that he's going to win the Mackey Award or anything like that. But you can be sure if they need to pick up a yard, you could probably put Daniel Parker in there and he's going to knock somebody on their ass.
1: Yeah. And I mean, they've needed bodies. So, I mean, and it was interesting kind of his story about how he was in limbo when Joe John Finley was in limbo about sure. what he was yeah. going to do with the coaching situation, but seemed like a guy that really, really wanted to be at Oklahoma. It was just kind of hoping it would work out that way.
0: No doubt. And I, you know, I think if, it, if nothing else, he's a guy that seems like is kind of one of those non-bullshit guys and just having him in the same room as a Braden Willis, uh, probably somebody that rubs off really well on somebody like a Jason Llewellyn or somebody like a Caden Helms that, uh, maybe needs a little bit not saying they need direction but uh just kind of a mentor as far as uh learning the position learning the ropes uh you know even if it's somewhat new to him so i i think that that tight end room is going to be really good for joe john
1: all right uh so we kind of prepared everybody for it like don't expect uh, a bunch of commitments coming out of uh, visit weekends but uh I know Josh. There's been a lot of positive feedback from all the players that visited Oklahoma uh, over the weekend, and uh, seems like you know Todd Bates is a name that always gets mentioned. But obviously Brent Venables, uh, and I, I haven't seen one, not even negative, but I haven't even I haven't seen one word that's just like no one was just like eh, it was okay. Everybody seemed to be kind of you know really impressed with everything
2: going on in Oklahoma. Honestly, over the visit weekends that we've covered now since early January, you know, I mean, of these junior type visits since late January, I can only think of one player that wasn't just glowing about how it went and what it was. And that was a guy that I think really went and expecting to get an offer and it didn't happen. And I think it was more about being disappointed about that. Um, but in general, you're absolutely right. I mean, these guys just go on and on and it's, you know, it's funny because it is so much just the interactions they're having because when I try to get them to specify what it is, they really can't. You know, they're like I you know, and they're like, "Oh man, it's just so amazing and the environment's so unique." And they're not just talking about, you know, some guys do compare it to what had been in Norman, and then some guys are just talking about in general just you know, in all the visits they've taken um and they, they can't, I mean, they can't put it into words. What makes it special? And I think it's, it really is. It's just their ability to connect with the coaches. They, they, they feel like those coaches really care. I mean, when they, you know, when I was talking to some guys about Todd Bates and they're just like, he's just the most real guy I've ever been around. Like just very, you know, it's not, you know, cause sometimes when I talk to them, it's like, Oh, he's really honest or he's really direct or he's really like, it's just they feel like he is a guy that they know almost immediately i feel like this is a guy i am comfortable with i know i can tell him what my concerns are what my thoughts are he's going to tell me the same and we can just kind of go from there and i mean i and it's some guys are really good at connecting with mom and dad some guys are really good at connecting with the players you rarely have a guy where everybody's kind of together on it so I and it's and I'm using base an example but that's clearly what Brent has built this staff to be because you hear the same things about Chavis you hear the same thing you know guy guy I mean we I know it's kind of a funny joke on the corner people love Ted Roof like they they really like Ted Roof a lot and I know we've talked about him seeming like a really engaging and good guy so it I, that's what you get is that these players love the coaches and they love kind of the environment that's being created. I I think they're just so engaged during the visits. I get a
3: a feeling that not that coaches checked out on their previous staff, like during June, like junior day, but a lot of just presentations and stuff like that, that didn't require that one-on-one attention that the coaches and that those recruits probably felt they needed to have, so you'd have these presentations, and then they'd kind of go away for a bit, and then they'd come back. Where it feels like, even like even if they have the presentations now, they're still they're totally engaged with, with with
2: what's going on the entire time. I I think that's fair, and and you know to avoid it being well, look what the last staff didn't do. There's a lot more people there. Like you know if. If Brent's talking to, let's say, Anthony Hill, the five-star linebacker, well, he can peel away from Anthony and guess who's there to talk to him? Caleb Kelly, a former five-star linebacker that's played at OU and really has a passion for the university and is part of this soul program. Like, there is always someone there to, so they're not just sitting there staring at their phones or being idle and having time to, you know, do whatever it is that you know that kids do. They are engaged, like you said, Bob, and I think that's a that's a great point that that's part of what Brent has built with this bigger staff is that they're they, – I mean, because Brent can't deal with – I mean, they had like 35 guys on campus last weekend. They, he can't be with all of them all the time, but he can be around, be around enough and really focus on the guys he wants to, and at the same time, the guys who aren't getting all that time or even the guys who are, when they are alone – they are, I mean, not alone. When they aren't with Brent or aren't with their coordinators or whatever it may be, they have someone else who is talking to them and helping them kind of build that bridge and feel even more comfortable. So you've got, it's not just my position coach. I know I, I'm really comfortable with Coach Kelly, you know, or Josh Norman or, you know, whoever it may be. You just go down the list of all the support staff that's there now. There is a very different level of communication as to where, you know, under the old staff, it would be a lot of, you know, this my position coach, I love that guy. I know that guy. And then once they walk away, I don't really have any, you know, connection anymore. We you know, we we covered that with a couple I think it was a couple months ago when I talked about Kobe McKenzie, you know, had spoken more to Lincoln Riley after he left Oklahoma than he or than he ever did while Lincoln was at OU. So that there's just some interesting kind of um, ability to connect on a deeper level. It was like everybody
0: was waiting in the uh, the waiting office at the doctor's office, and the doctor's office was Lincoln Riley's office. Everybody just kind of waiting in the foyer mm-hmm. out there, the foyer, like, waiting to get maybe possibly Your number's going to be called, and if not, damn it, you'll have to come back next week. <laughs> I just, I
1: don't... I don't. I, yeah, I mean, it's it's a like. I don't even want to say anything. If I say anything, it's like you're shitting. Why are you still shitting on Lincoln Riley? If I say anything positive, it's like why are you still defending him?
0: Like, well, it's hard to not. It's hard to talk about the current state of the program right now and not base it off of what we know or what we thought we knew of what was happening previously.
2: Uh, you know and somebody I can't remember which one it was one one of you said something about you know it's not to say that the the old staff was mailing it in and I certainly don't think nine of the ten members were but being at elite eleven last week and I had some interesting conversations with some area high school coaches and it was interesting hearing how different some of the um, the campus visits were last year as compared to years past like the the level of organization wasn't the same it had been. There was a little more kind of fluidity to what was going on and it, the time wasn't regimented in the same way. And I may, maybe, you know, and again, it's just like us, we can look back now and say, well, we should have seen this. We should have seen that. Like the coaches can do the same thing. Like they, they can kind of make storylines that they didn't notice at the time. And now they think, well, that, that must be connected. And it doesn't have to be. I'm just sure. saying it's interesting to hear those things from guys who have been going to Norman for, you know, 10, 15 years and really know the lay of the land that it was that last year for a lot of reasons just felt weird all along.
1: Well, you mentioned Jackson Arnold. Um, you got a chance to go see him mm-hmm. at the Elite 11. Uh, and he's going through, right? He's, go, he's made it to the national competition. Yep, they earned off. an
2: invitation on uh, Sunday. Yep.
1: So uh, just kind of uh, your impressions of talking to him kind of uh you know it it, we've always said it it's great to have a quarterback in a class because uh back to our discussion we had last week about taking commitments not taking commitments and building momentum uh but nothing builds momentum in a class like having
2: a, a highly rated quarterback absolutely you know and I had a chance you know for those that didn't really follow the threat or whatever I mean there were two of OU's major primary receiver targets that were there along with uh, one of their primary defensive back targets, Peyton Bowen, who is Jackson Arnold's, of course, teammate at Denton Geyer. Uh, the, the two receivers being the wide receiver commitment, Ashton Kozart and, uh, Mikhail Harrison Pilot. Now, I talked to both, you know, I talked to Harrison Pilot about that. Like, how meaningful is that to have a, a quarterback, you know, kind of, um, uh, that is highly regarded, gonna go to the lead 11. I mean, and, you know, knowing that that's, that's a guy that not only is good, but you know him. And he was very honest, you know, like that means a lot. Like I, I have a connection with him. I know him. Like we, we, we don't have to kind of build a, a rapport. Like there, there's familiarity there to begin with. So, um, I, yeah, there's just, you're right. There's no greater indication. And, and in my conversation with Jackson, which, Due to technical difficulties, didn't get to really get run the way we wanted it to. But, um, don't bring up your he, technical he was, difficulties. I'm, I'm sitting I, I, right here. All right. Don't you know triggers. what? I don't, don't I make, didn't do anything wrong. Don't make me start
1: connected. a drunken post on the board. Just damn it. Just going after you. I mean, that
2: we've had damn enough it. of that, haven't we? Damn it. You know, uh, <laughs> I drunk, you know, whatever, whatever last night was. If the people, whatever if you was. weren't on the corner, you missed it. It was a, truly grand moment in the, uh, the corners history. Um, but no, you know, as far as Jackson himself, I, I really liked what I saw. Now, the thing that you could tell was Denton guy runs a very specific offense, a lot of run pass option. And when he's doing that stuff and he's, you know, reading, you know, the end and he's making decisions that he is familiar with that dude, his, Throws are on point. His footwork's outstanding. Like, he is well drilled in what he knows. At the same time, you could watch him. And I, you know, I overheard him talking to some of the position coaches where he's talking about working under center and dropping back. He's counting his steps like a young guy. Like, he just hasn't done it much. So there are things where he's still very raw and still working on his game. Now, Jeff Levy doesn't run a ton under center, so I don't think it's gonna be some huge thing. Like you can understand why he would be excited, but even if he does, I mean that that's something Jackson can work on. But you know, his timing is really good. His delivery is outstanding, very repeatable, very quick release. Um has has more than enough arm to make any throw you want. Uh you know, there's there's clearly, like I said, when he's timed and he's on rhythm, it's very natural when I compare that to what I see on tape, I, I, I like what comes together because on tape, there were times when for Guyer when he's kind of running for his life and he is always so calm. Like even when I'm talking about when he's in drops and you know, in a, a five step drop, you know, from under center where he's clearly not comfortable. He hasn't done that a lot. He doesn't know it real well. He still looks under control. It still doesn't look chaotic you can just tell the timing's not quite right. He, he just doesn't have it where he's going to sit on that fifth step and then boom, I'm firing. I know where I'm going with it. You know, like there's not that same familiarity, but I, he didn't do anything to hurt my impression of him. I thought he was every bit worthy of the elite 11 invite, uh, really threw some great, great balls, really looks comfortable throwing the out. Like Again, I, I could go on and talk about all the stuff I like, but, Jackson Arnold's a very good player. I absolutely get why he was a a priority for Jeff Lebby when he took the job. And, you know, like I mentioned earlier, talking to him and his mom and his dad, I, you know, I don't think they expected Oklahoma to happen as fast as it did. Like, they they really just fell in love with OU, Norman. You know, they'd never been up there before he went to visit, and – it sounds like almost from getting there and sitting down with Jeff Levy, they knew what they were going to do.
0: Much bigger kid than maybe I. Was. I, was, I, I he looked like that.
2: a man. That was what stood out yes, to me. Did. I mean, like just a big, thick kid. Uh, he he has uh, frame-wise, he's a lot of Baker Mayfield vibes. Like very, just kind of thick through. You know, like I mean, I he's almost two hundred pounds. He's a big thirty dude, about six foot one. Um and it, honestly, you know, I, I say Baker when I watch his game and what his skills are and the things that he really excels at, I see a lot of Case McCoy. Like that. I'm, I'm sorry, not not Case, Colt. <laughs> Colt McCoy. Yeah, oh, I was like, well, that doesn't sound right. No, I see a lot no. of Colt McCoy. That That's who he really reminds me of. That same kind of, you know, just like I said, like, always under control, always very much comfortable with whatever is happening keeps his eyes downfield very well uh doesn't try to do too much he'll take what you give him um I, i again i i like jackson a lot i think we've got him in the i think number 66 in the country right now and i think that's a completely valid ranking he's a top 75 guy in the country and um you know like i said i i like not only what he brings from a talent perspective but he is doing plenty to help the rest of his class grow
1: by the way, Colt McCoy uh, chasing that Chase Daniel uh, elite status is best man to uh, you know worst eh, I don't know who it that the guy that basically is making the most money in the NFL by just staying out of out of games. Be- oh, best yeah. I mean, career he, he might not all, be man. on
0: Chase's level, but they're definitely he, he on the same too, like though. the what?
3: I think Colt plays more too.
0: Yeah,
2: yeah, he's been forced I mean, he, to play more than, than Chase plays. Daniel. Oh, he's had moments. He's had stretches of mm-hmm. years that were pretty good. Yep. Oh, if you talked about a guy that's a perennial, perennially, per, uh, perennial, perennially. There we go. Thought of Speak, backup. Uh, my guy just, just yeah. words. Oh, I needed you. I, I should have called you in on that one, Eddie. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. for <laughs> if I was going to talk about a guy like that and I said, man, you know, my, I know my starter is going to go down week 10 to week 12 and I've got to have somebody. He might be the first guy I would want. Like, I mean, he, he can win you a couple of football games. He's not going to carry your team or be a, uh, he shouldn't be your starter if you're trying to make the playoffs, but, but, I got to get a couple wins on a good team. I he he can do that. He was Kyler's backup last year, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And it
1: will be this year.
2: Okay. Yeah. He resigned. Well, assume. Oh, are oh, just assuming where Kyler's going to be, huh? Okay. Okay, Bob. Or that he's going to win the job out of camp. It's always
0: it, they, they they you. Hey, you settle down, Matt slate. Ryan.
2: All right. The oh. What I said, settle down, Matt Ryan. I, I now now that we we have a legitimate quarterback, I'm feeling pretty frisky. So you know.
0: I think it's going to work out really well for the Colts. I love that move. I, I did too. That quote to was so damning. We knew, we knew we had to move on. Yeah, Carson Wentz must just suck. Like just as a human, as a football player, just all the above. Just not a what?
1: good guy. He comes off to me as, a, a, like, I get it. Like Kyrie Irving, you know, being an anti-vaxxer, he's got convictions. He does say some dumb stuff. But at least you can tell like he puts thought into it. Might might be, you know, he might not be the smartest guy that's ever existed. I think my my read is that Carson Wentz is the dumbest truther that's ever existed. Like, not only is he an anti-vaxxer, but he might just be legitimately stupid. Carson Wentz might be Q. <laughs> no, we know who Q is. Q's, Q's, he's readily out there. It's not like... The Anon part of it is like Q started it and there is a guy, I think he's in a wheelchair, but like he turned against QAnon when it became what it became.
0: Yeah, and he's the governor of Texas. His name's Greg Abbott. (laughs) 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 That's a joke. Is that it's not Ron DeSantos? Is he more Abbott than Abbott? Ron, Ron DeSantos is the, the cousin of Ron Santos. That was a, the Cubs' third baseman. <laughs> is that not Florida's governor, Ron DeSantis? That is DeSantis or whatever. Yeah. Yeah,
2: yeah. you're right. Is it, is, it, is it Rick? Rick might be. Yeah, it's Rick. Yeah, I think it's Rick. But yeah, they are.
0: No, I think it's Ron. I think it's Ron DeSantis. Is think... it Rick?
1: I don't know. That ends the We just like making political fun political. of politics. We really don't know anything about it. That's a fact. So is anyway. I'm not
3: here to correct. I'm not sure if it's Ron or No, Rick. it's Ron. It's Ron. It's it Ron DeSantis. Yeah, it's Ron. It's Ron. Yeah, Bob wrong. lives to, to
1: correct it. people and he's he's just saying silent. Damn it, Bob. Nobody I don't knew. No. You're here to correct our political bullshit. I guess too. he doesn't care. He he does he really doesn't. <laughs> and he doesn't care if we care. Uh all right. So I know Bob you've been breaking some basketball news lately as well. Uh your guy that you followed, since it seems like he's been in junior high, uh, you broke it yesterday that he is uh, returning to Oklahoma.
3: Yeah, I mean, you start looking at the transfer portal, and you see OU being involved with a lot of different you know, players, and but not like in their top three or four, just like, hey, they've talked to me. They're one of the 20, 30 schools that have talked to me. So you start wondering, how is that going to shake out with the current roster? And now I'm really starting to wonder because Bijan Cortez and C and C.J. Nolan are both definitely coming back, talking to sources, connected to both of them. And it almost wasn't even like a debate. It was like, oh, man, you know, he, he was thinking about leaving, but not going to come back. Or, you know, he was maybe told by, OU oh, you might have to look elsewhere, but he's going to come back. Like, there's no doubt in the people that I talked to connected to both of them that they want. They were definitely fired up to come back for Moser's second season, for their second season. So then you start wondering, you know, you gotta, you know you have to hit the portal for at least a couple guys, but if Mo Gibson decides to stay, which we now know he's either going to go pro or come back to OU, there's no portal option. You start looking at the list, there aren't that many spots. You know, I think two, three weeks ago we were worried about having to go through five or six different. It could only be like two or
0: three at max now. You know, it, it it's kind of weird to say it, Bob, but like, and I, I still think that we both agree that maybe like a Rick Sanza or somebody, AK, somebody that you, you go, you know, you're probably not going to get on the court here. Maybe it'd be best for everybody involved to look in a different direction. But it's almost like maybe like the assistant coaches might be, there might be more of them leaving <laughs> uh, to get, you know, better opportunities than actual players going into the portal.
3: Yeah, that's something uh the KT Turner news that kind of happened last week where it looks like Louisville might be his destination under new coach Kenny Payne. That's something that's been brewing, still hasn't been announced and sure. really it's kind of just gone off the radar. I don't know if like Payne wants to announce his entire staff at once and then it, it it comes back, but it's something that picked up a lot of steam last week and now it's kind of dropped off, but then something happened almost right before, you know, basically right before we started recording Sacramento state head coach opening being linked to David Patrick. And so there you, I mean, we knew when Porter brought this staff together, you looked at Turner you looked at Patrick, a lot of reason to believe that you weren't going to hold on to these guys for a very long time. Cause they're too good at what they've been able to do that. Eventually something else is going to be calling them. But I don't know if anyone thought within the first year, you could be trying to replenish two of those guys. And that maybe you're not having to replenish anything with your roster in the portal, but all of a sudden you got to go back to that assistant coach pool and try to find guys that once again will fit what most looking to try to do with, you
0: know, with, you know, what's coming back, uh, you know, you're probably not going to have to get much in the backcourt, but it is still a priority that they need. if, 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 you know, I guess if, if, if you don't believe in a Rick Asanza, they need to get, it's almost priority that they find somebody, uh, and, and, you know, I guess in a picture-perfect world, it'd be a big guy. It'd be a, a guy that can, you know, play the actual five. Yeah, but you got to be careful. You don't need a
3: David McCormick-like five that, yeah. that Kansas has. That's not sure. what Porter Moser want, wants to run. Sure. That's not the sure. type of big. So that's what gets kind of kind of curious about when you're trying to find that that that. Post guy, you think? Oh, you just look at numbers. Oh, he's six ten. He averaged fourteen points and eight rebounds for such and such school. You got to go after him. You got to know what he does well, what he would bring to Porter Moser's system, before you can make that type of leap. And if you only have one or two spots, that will at least allow Moser and the staff, whatever staff is left or hired to be selective as to how they're going to go about that. Not just jump at the first guy that they see and try to, bring, try to bring them in, but they can take their time and really try to nail that one or two guys that they know can help the team best.
1: All right, Josh has been punished enough uh, between trash talk about his passed away mother last night um, to basketball talk and porters and all that
2: stuff. So Basketball was way more painful.
1: <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> wow. Are you? Have you banned B. M. Smith? Is he? Is he on the no, banning block? I didn't. Block? Ba- I didn't ba- no, like that. is he like on I your list? Think the like thread is locked or anything? It's still
2: there, no. right?
1: Thread's, it was too glorious going. to lock. I mean, I you. I, every single one of us got. We're in the crosshairs at some point last night. I, On I'm going to make a basketball thread, reference. A soccer thread. It was a thread about soccer, and somehow it turned into, well, you never believed in Baker Mayfield, Murdoch. You know, I have, I don't have any proof, but
2: you've said it. Like, okay. Uh, it, it all started because someone was teasing soccer fans about hoping they, that the U.S. would lose last night so they didn't make the World Cup. They didn't have to hear any more about soccer, blah, 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 blah. Fine. Whatever. I... I don't know how you get through about two years of being a legitimate soccer fan before you just stop caring about that. Like, if you don't want to watch it, cool. I don't care. I tried to convert Carney for a while, and then I was like, I don't care. Like, you you watch it, you hate it. I I don't care. I'm gonna enjoy it. You were your that own that worst moment. enemy in that, by the way. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. Like, I know it now. I, I was can like, see it. okay. There's
1: books devoted to these teams that you're reading, and you have like a mm-hmm. full bookshelf of stuff mm-hmm. about the Arsenal, like. I'm never going to be that into this. Like, you're an idiot.
2: When we get uh, the the podcast going on YouTube or whatever, I will show you the books behind my desk right now, <laughs> sitting behind me. There's several Arsenal books setup. included in my little collection, no doubt. That'll be your setup. Yeah, along with a do- uh, the Encyclopedia of Dogs. I mean, we've got some real bangers over here. But... Um, yeah no it, it's and it just started with me like he's trolling you because BMS got mad and then I was like why are you letting him do this like don't oh you're advocating for a troll he was wrong about Brent Venables being the head coach and blah 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 and I'm like whoa what Where where did, what does that have to do with anything we're talking about and then basically it just proceeded to whoever came into the thread he remembered someone angering him That person, I think I, yeah, I think I just from tweeting about the thread, he decided, Oh, I saw your Mm -hmm. little tweet, Murdoch. You never believed in (laughs) Baker. (laughs) I I mean, if anybody's gonna take Baker on the chin, I think it has to be me because I wanted Cody Thomas and I was very vocal about that. Um, somebody did dig up a practice report from like four years ago. Which I didn't think read bad for you at all, Carrie. Like you were very like he's looked good. He's been good. Like it, it was I, I said he was better than Trevor. Yeah, I I didn't feel like it was now. Now I will say you were a little more Cody Thomas positive than I remembered. So you know, kudos to you, buddy.
1: That was yeah, uh, that really worked out well for me, didn't it? Yeah,
2: yeah. Hey, big winner. We're, we can Wrong. go down and titanic <laughs> together. <laughs>
1: Oh God. All right. Uh, that'll do it for this week. Uh, I know uh, we've got some zooms for other sports that people want to get on. So, uh, good time for us to get out of here. Thanks to dead Soxie. Uh, don't forget SoonerScoopstore.com. Uh, go check it out. We'll have some new hats in there, uh, coming up next week. Uh, for, for those of you that, uh, you know, like maybe the trucker style, uh, because we haven't had any of those in the store. So those are coming up. So be on the lookout for those. Uh, and, uh, We'll be back again next week. Spring football still going leading up to the uh, spring game on April 23rd. And uh hope to see a lot of you guys there. So uh, thanks for listening, and we'll see you next. back again next week for another edition of the Unofficial 40 Podcast from Soonerscoop.com.